You are listening to the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast, and this is Martin Luther's sermon on the text, Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 11, uh, preached on the 17th Sunday after Trinity Sunday. This is the text of the feast at the Pharisee's house. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information about the Luther Sermon Podcast or to hear more Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. This sermon is from Luther's House Postal. I'm reading from a translation published by J.A. Schulze, publisher in Columbus, Ohio, in 1884, a text and translation that is in the public domain. First, the Gospel reading, Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 11. And it came to pass, as Jesus went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the droopsy. And Jesus, answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took them and healed them and let them go, and answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again of these things. And he put forth a parable to those who were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So far the text. Luther's Sermon. Our gospel lesson contains two points. The first concerns divine worship, or our duty toward God, The second treats of our duty toward our fellow man. Concerning the first point, the question arises, Is it better in the sight of God to keep the Sabbath or to help our fellow man and do good? It is the object of the Pharisees to watch the Lord Jesus and see that he would do with the man having the droopsy. Their thought is that if he does not help him, he may be charged with being unmerciful and not helping others. But if he does help him, he may be called wicked for breaking the Sabbath. Thus he may be convicted of disobedience toward God and his word. He may do what he pleases, he will be caught. He is hemmed in on both sides, an especially serious matter they consider the breaking of the Sabbath. For with the Jews, the Sabbath was a most holy institution which they guarded with great care. According to the opinion of the Pharisees, the Lord Jesus is entrapped without any chance to escape. What shall he do? He takes a straightforward course, does what is right, puts the Pharisees to shame, and drives them into such a strait that everyone can see what fools they are, they are they, although they are regarded as spiritual rulers who are to teach and to lead the people and who are therefore considered great doctrines. The sum of the matter is that our Lord boldly tells the Pharisees that they do not know what it is to keep the Sabbath day and to sanctify it. According to your ideas, he tells them, it is a sanctifying the Sabbath day to be altogether idle and to do no work whatever. No, this is not the meaning of the Sabbath day. To sanctify the Sabbath day means to hear the word of God and to help our neighbor wherever we can. God does not want a keeping of the Sabbath day in which our neighbor is neglected or left to suffer. 
If I serve and help my neighbor, I have kept the Sabbath as it should be kept and have done a truly good work. This doctrine concerning the Sabbath day shows us how to understand the third commandment aright according to which we are required not to be idle or to do nothing, but to hear the word of God and to live according to that word. What does that word teach us? It directs us, according to the second table, to love and serve one another. This God wants us to learn on the Sabbath day. Hence, it must also follow that we are not desecrating the Sabbath day by such good works as these. Christ tells the Pharisees, You are incompetent teachers because you call doing a good breaking of the Sabbath. What is mostly preached on the Sabbath day is that we should love one another. And what is love? It is certainly not a mere thinking of each other, but a heartfelt kindness which prompts us to comfort, admonish, and help one another by words and deeds. It is to, to confer benefits according to the need of body and soul. So also St. John says, 1 John 3, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This the Lord commands you, especially on the Sabbath day. Yea, more, God has appointed the Sabbath day for this very purpose, that you should hear and learn how to be kind to your neighbor in words and be helpful in deeds, as the circumstances may require. Thus the Lord reprimands the false saints who perverted the word of God, giving it a wrong meaning and boasted of their keeping of the Sabbath while they had no charity and would not even give their naked neighbor a shirt or a pair of shoes. Rogues are they that thus pervert the word of God. For wherever the word of God commands and says, Love thy neighbor and do him good, they will answer, Oh no, by so doing I might break the Sabbath. Thus they teach false doctrine and pervert the command of God. On the Sabbath especially, we are taught how to love our neighbor and how to take care of him and how to assist him in all things pertaining to the welfare of his soul and body, as is seen from the example of which the Lord here speaks. Is it not a shame, says he, if an ox or an ass fall into a pit, and thou wilt not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? If then it is no sin to help a beast, it would be madness to forbid loving and helping a poor man on the Sabbath day. Thus it must always be the case that those who undertake to criticize and teach the Lord Jesus shall be caught in their own snare and expose themselves as great fools, as was the case with the Pharisees, who supposed him to be caught in either case, whether he would heal the man with droopsy or not. But the Lord gives them an answer by which they are put to shame, so that they will not make any further effort. He tells them, Ye hypocrites, you are the very men that desecrate and break the Sabbath. The wrong which ye try to find in me, ye find in yourselves. To sanctify the Sabbath day means to hear God's word, to do good works, to love your neighbor and to assist him in every need, to be obedient, merciful, kind, helpful with advice and consolation, to give meat and drink and so forth. This is to be done on the Sabbath day and is called true worship. All other sham service God does not need. Neither does he want bellowing in the church all day long as the papists do, but he wants us to hear his word and to live and do according to that word. The beautiful passage of the prophet Hosea is applicable here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. And what is the knowledge of God? Nothing else but to hear his word, because without this word no one could know anything of God. But when the word is brought, it says, I am the Lord thy God. I have given my son unto death for thee and have accepted thee in holy baptism and so forth. By the word of God, we learn to know him to be gracious and merciful, which could never be known or learned by reason. Therefore, because we derive a knowledge of God through the word, 
It is indeed a service of God and sanctifying the Sabbath when we hear the word of God and live and do in accordance with it. This the wicked hypocrites and Pharisees neglect. They do not hear the word of God, nor do they keep it. And still, they would not bear the name of Sabbath breakers. This also is the case with the papists. Kings and dignitaries who oppose the word hear mass every day. This is their high worship, which they are not willing to dispense with a single day. But in a sermon, they do not hear in a month, nay, not in half a year or even in a whole year. And even if they do hear a sermon, they do not hear the scriptures or the true word of God, but mere human vanities and lies. This is the worship by which they imagine that they sanctify the holy day, which, however, cannot be done except by hearing the word of God and by doing the good works which are pointed out and commanded in that word. Therefore, to Christians, every day should be a Sabbath. For every day we should hear and practice God's word. Yet Sunday has been appointed for the people that everyone may hear or learn God's word. The other six days, common people have to labor and earn their daily bread. This God is pleased to see because he has commanded us to labor. But the seventh day he wants us to keep holy and not to labor so that no one may be disturbed in exercising himself in God's word and work and to do not what pertains to temporal affairs but what God requires in his word. This is the first point of our gospel lesson. From it, everyone should learn that it is serving God and sanctifying the Sabbath day when we hear the word of God and keep it. Therefore, when you go to church or earnestly read the gospel, you are serving God and pleasing him more than you could by sacrifices or so-called holiness, as the prophet Hosea says. The other point teaches of humility. The Lord himself explains the parable when he says, Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You must learn that this is the case not merely before God, but also before men. All men are naturally opposed to those who are proud, and it would be an exceedingly wicked person that would be opposed to a truly humble and pious man. It is natural for everyone to love humility, as we see in the case of the maid who is willing and obedient and in simplicity of heart does what is commanded. In such cases, the heart of the mistress is easily gained so that it cannot be against her. It is natural, we say, to be pleased with people of true humility. And again, no one can be pleased with people who exalt themselves. As soon as parents find a child or servant to be proud and disobedient, which two faults are always combined, we hear them say, I do not need to do what you tell me. It is high time to correct and humble them or to send them away. This is done also by the civil government. Those who are proud and do not want to be obedient are taught by the scaffold or sword at the hands of the sheriff. And how does it come that everyone dislikes those who exalt themselves? It is because God so ordains it in his word, which tells us that he will help to humble those who are high-minded and proud, as is seen in all the callings of men. Those who were rich, learned, wise, beautiful, strong, and powerful, if they became proud and did not want to humble themselves— They have been abased by God himself, as is said, God resisteth the proud. Whoever has such an opponent shall not succeed. He must fall, and no power on earth can save him. But those who are humble gain favor with God and man. Upon them God and the holy angels and also men will look with pleasure as upon a jewel. And success and the blessing of God will follow, as is seen, for instance, in the experience of the son of poor parents. These could not give him a penny. And yet he became great and renowned so that even princes and potentates admired his talents and skill. Whence does that come? Certainly from God. He cannot be prevented from exalting the humble and showing grace and mercy. 
Thus it is said in the 113th Psalm, Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and earth? He raiseth out the poor of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes of his people. This God does with the humble, but the proud who continually exalt themselves he meets in his wrath and will not rest until they are abased altogether. This should induce us to be humble, and children and domestics to be obedient. God wants me to do what I am told, and not to be proud, but humble. This I will do, and not be grieved on account of my humble calling. For I know if I am faithful, God will not keep me down, but exalt me in due time. This was the case with King Saul. He was obedient to his father, took care of his asses, and considered himself to be the lowest in the land of the Benjamites. To him God sent the prophet to anoint him king of Israel. Because he was not proud but humble, God poured upon him a great measure of divine grace and mercy. But what happened afterward? When Saul had been made king, he exalted himself and became proud and did not care for God or his word. Therefore, in like manner as God at first had exalted him, he afterwards abased him, so that out of despair he committed suicide with his ho- uh, and his house was exterminated. Again, David was a fine, strong, and learned youth, but in humility he did not exalt himself because of his good qualities. He continued to be a shepherd and was obedient to his father until Samuel came to make him king. As history tells us, that David had seven brothers who were high-minded and proud and despised their younger brother David. But God spoke to Samuel concerning David that he should make him king, saying, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And David, after God had exalted him, continued to be humble, else if he had exalted himself, God would have abased him, as he had abased Saul. But because he continues to be humble, though he is dethroned for a while, he is reinstated and is highly honored of God, who even promises that Christ shall come out of his seed. All of this is written and preached unto us for the purpose of teaching us humility and of guarding us against pride so that we may not, like a wicked maidservant, ask, Who can be confined to the kitchen, to watching, washing and sweeping away? I am not obliged to submit to others, and so forth. Beware, if you exalt yourself, God will surely be against you. He cannot and will not suffer pride and haughtiness as we see every day. And what do you think to be the reason that we find so much misery in the world everywhere, and so many coarse, awkward, and unfortunate men and women? Nothing else but this, that when they are young, they want to walk in pride and not do what they are commanded. Hence the Lord suffers them to rove about like swine and never to learn anything useful. For so it has been decreed, he that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he only that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Thanks and praise be unto God for these teachings. May he grant us grace to follow them. For the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been Martin Luther's sermon on the text, Luke chapter 14, verse 1 to 11, the feast at the Pharisee's house preached on the 17th Sunday after the Feast of the Holy Trinity. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church. For more Luther sermons uh, or for more information about the Luther Sermon Podcast, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org.